Take a turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Don't forget in our schedule of events, uh, a lot of music in the next couple of weeks. Uh, next Sunday morning, our senior adult choir will, and handbell group will be leading us in some worship of Christmas music. And then that evening, uh, our children will be performing a Christmas musical. And then the following Sunday morning, um, we will have uh, our adult choir. They will be leading us in uh, a musical. So if you like to sing, you're in the right place. Amen? Amen. The choir's been working really hard. All right. You ready? You need me? <laughs> All right. Let's read uh, two verses in Luke chapter 2, verse number 10 and verse number 11 are the verses we want to share this morning. And I'll ask you to stand for just a moment in honor of the reading of God's Word. As we sang just a few minutes ago about angels coming to declare to the shepherds the good news of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you this morning, have you heard the good news? Verse number 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Father, let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was reading these verses and I was thinking about how, how would a king enter into the presence of a place and what would be the signal of knowing that a king has come. And I remembered reading a book a few years ago called 1776 by David McCullough. And in the very first chapter, the very first words begin with the picture of King George III heading to the House of Parliament to talk about the war that would be fought in America. Now think, picture in your mind the pomp and circumstance as I read these words here. On the afternoon of Thursday, October 26, 1775, His Royal Majesty, George III, King of England, rode in royal splendor from St. James Palace to the Palace of Westminster, there to address the opening of Parliament on the increasingly distressing issue of war in America. The day was cool, but clear skies and sunshine, a rarity in London, brightened everything and the royal cavalcade spruced and polished, shone to perfection. In an age that had given England such rousing patriotic songs as God Save the King and Rule Britannia, in a nation that adored ritual and gorgeous pageantry, it was a scene hardly to be improved upon. An estimated 60,000 people had turned out. They lined the whole route through St. James Park. At Westminster, people were packed solid many having stood since morning, hoping for a glimpse of the king or some of the notables of parliament. So great was the crush that latecomers had difficulty seeing much of anything. The king's procession departed St. James at 2 o'clock, proceeding at a walking speed. By tradition, two horse grenadiers with swords drawn rode in the lead to clear the way, followed by gleaming coaches filled with nobility, then a clattering of horse guards, the yeomen of the guard in red and gold livery, and a rank of footmen also in red and gold. 
Finally came the king in his colossal golden chariot pulled by eight magnificent cream-colored horsemen, Hanoverian creams, a single postillion riding the left lead horse and six footmen at the side. No mortal on earth rode in such style as their king, the English knew. Twenty-four feet in length and thirteen feet high, the royal coach weighed nearly four tons, enough to make the ground tremble when underway. George III had built it years before, insisting that it be superb. Three gilded cherubs on top, symbols of England, Scotland, and Ireland, held high a gilded crown, while over the heavy spoked wheels front and back loomed four gilded sea gods, formidable reminders that Britannia ruled the waves. Allegorical scenes on the door panels celebrated the nation's heritage, and windows were of such sufficient size to provide a full view of the crowned sovereign within. Now that's an entrance, isn't it? What a, way to, what a way to come in style. Now think about the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe. Think about him coming into this earth and his appearing here. How would the, that the prophets have prophesied his coming and his being here? They had told for thousands of years that he was on the way. Don't you think that the people, the Jewish people of Israel, were looking for such a procession to come when Jesus came? Don't you think that they were waiting for God to peel back the skies and to say, here he is, your Messiah. He's come to be your king. He's come to save the world. He's come to free you from your oppression. Here he is, and wouldn't you expect him to depart from heaven in grand and great glory? And, and just angels singing and shouting and rejoicing. But how did God choose to bring his son into this world? God Almighty, the king of, universe, of the universe, is coming to the earth, about to conquer the great enemies of sin and death. You would think that the whole earth would shake from the impact of his landing. You would think that the skies would be filled with signs and wonders. But that's not how God chose to do it. Instead, he comes as lowly as a person can come, as humbly as a person can come. He comes knowing that he is the creator of the earth, the creator of the universe, knowing that he holds in his hands the whole creation, knowing that he spoke a word and everything came into existence, and knowing that he could speak a word and everything would leave. But yet the only sound that you hear is the gentle breathing of a baby sleeping in his mother's arms. He came into the world as a baby. Now here's the most important question of all of the Bible. Who is this baby lying in this manger that the angels come to proclaim? Who is this baby that is there? That baby born in Bethlehem that these angels are proclaiming was God. Jesus Christ was not a man who became God. He was God who became man. And so this morning, let's look at this good news and the things that it brought as we, as we think about the coming 
season that is upon us, that there are some things that were brought about that evening that these angels began to share with the shepherds. First of all, they told them, you don't have to live in fear anymore. We don't have to live in fear. What do you fear? What are the, what are the things that you fear? Maybe it's a spider. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, uh, income tax. I have no idea what it is that you fear in life. When I was a boy, I feared things that I couldn't see. When I would go to bed at night, I feared the things that I couldn't see. I wondered what was there that I couldn't see. Now that I'm old, I fear because I can't see. But look at the words of the angels. The angels give us reason of hope. That there is no fear. We don't have to live in fear anymore. With two words, they dispel the fear that had been before. When they say fear not, these two good words are always in the mouths of the angels when they appear. The shepherds are afraid at this moment when these angels appear in all their glory. But this fear runs much deeper. Because the earth had been in fear for thousands and thousands of years. The first evidence was of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, when we see Adam and Eve hiding from the Lord after they have committed sin, and God comes to find them, and they're hiding. And because of that moment when Adam and Eve fell, fear had been stalking men through the centuries since. All through the Old Testament, we see men who lived in fear, great men who lived in fear. Abraham lied about his wife Sarah because of the fear he had for his own life. Jacob was afraid of his brother Esau. Moses was afraid of Pharaoh, and he was afraid of being rejected by the, by the Hebrew people. The nation of Israel was afraid to enter into the promised land. But when Jesus came, when Jesus came, he would go all throughout this region where these things had happened before. And he would do away with fear in so many situations and circumstances that he was a part of. We see in Mark chapter 4, the disciples are in a great storm. And they think that they're going to perish in that storm. They wake Jesus from a nap. And he says to them, he asks them, why are you so fearful? And he calms the storm. A man named Bartimaeus who had been blind since birth. Birth, he, he had a fear that he was never going to see, and Jesus healed him. Ten lepers who were having to live in a leper colony and thought that they, would, they had fear that they would never be able to be with their families again. Jesus healed them, and they were free to go. Mary and Martha feared that they would never see their brother Lazarus again, but Jesus went to the tomb and conquered death there and called Lazarus out from the grave. Jesus came to relieve the people that were there in his day and time as he walked the earth. He came to relieve them of the fear that they had lived in. And today, he comes for the same reason for us. He comes to, to do away with the fear that we've had to live with before we came to Christ. We can face the fears of this life, and we can face them with the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts. It's a wonderful piece of the good news that the angels brought that evening. I don't know what, there are a lot of fears as we come into this Christmas season. There are a lot of fears throughout the world. People are concerned about their health 
and, and issues that concern them. People uh, that I know are concerned about their families. They're concerned about their children. They're concerned about their grandchildren. People are concerned about the condition of the world and the evil of the world. People are con concerned about the economy and the future and jobs. And people are just seem to be weighed down with the cares of life and the fears of this life. But when we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our anchor and as our hope in this world, we can live knowing that faith is the opposite of fear and that we should live our lives based on the faith that Jesus Christ has put in our hearts and that we will be that we've been saved by faith and we will be kept by faith. So these angels come and the first thing that one of the first things that they relate to these shepherds is fear not. You don't have to live in fear anymore. What we're about to tell you is a wonderful thing. And we see here that there is great joy. We see in the in the message of the angels that there is a, there is a great joy as we move on here. They say they, they bring good tidings of great joy. And what brings us joy? What brings us joy in our lives? What, what brings you, what can you think about in your life that brings abiding joy and it doesn't leave? Now, some of, some of you uh, yesterday and Friday night, you were real happy. It, well, some of you were, some of you weren't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we, we watch a ball game and, and all of a sudden, I'm, we got divided homes here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but... We watch, it, we watch a football game, and right down to the wire, these last couple of weeks have taken 10 years off my life. And right down to the wire, we get there, and our team wins, and for, for, we celebrate, and we're happy. And, and yesterday, yesterday evening, at our house, we, you walk out of the room, and you put your hands over your eyes, and you say, I'm never watching football again. And then it turns out our way, and we say, boy, I'm happy. I can't wait till the next game. But does that bring abiding joy that never leaves us? It's, it's okay, and it makes us happy, but abiding joy. Abiding joy is, that, is, is knowing that you have family, and abiding joy is knowing that that family is together, and that family is well, and that family is safe, and even more than that, that that family has come to uh, forgiveness of sin in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that their eternity is secure. And that you know that this is not the end of everything, that someday we, when we part from this life, we know that there's an eternity and we know that there's a reunion and we know that Christ made all this possible. When the angels said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, look, they said, we're bringing you something, shepherds, that is greater than good weather for your flock or is greater than a good pasture for you to feed in. It's something that will last forever. It's something that will last for an eternity. It's something that will never turn or go away. We sang songs this morning that were about great joy because of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why was there great joy there to be proclaimed? Because this Savior that they had been waiting for, this Savior that they had been longing for, this Savior that they had been looking for had been born there in Bethlehem. And it was fulfillment of prophecy. Because the scriptures have been fulfilled here. And because Christ is Lord. And these shepherds are the first to hear about it. And the angels say, come to him and have joy and trust in what we're saying. Now think about the situations in our lives. Think, think about the times in our lives where we need to understand that abiding joy that lives in us. 
there's few times, there's a few times in our lives that we can actually go to someone who's in trouble or in need or who's hurting, who has heartbreak and who has loss. There's a few situations in our life, there's a few times when we can go to that person and say, I understand completely. I can identify with what you're going through. So many times in life we'll, 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 we'll say to somebody who's going through something, we'll say to them, well, I, I, I feel your pain or I, know what you're, I, I understand what you're going through. When we really have never been in their situation and we don't really understand it completely. But there are some times when we can. But here's the wonderful joy in what the angels are saying. Because God has come to earth in the flesh, he can really identify with us. Because God actually descended from heaven and came to this earth and walked on this earth in the flesh of a man, he can identify with every situation that we go through. Jesus Christ has felt our hurts. He understands what it is to have heartache and loss. Jesus Christ has felt our pain. And Jesus Christ knows about what disappointments are. There was a time in, in, in the ministry of Christ when thousands of people had followed him everywhere that he went. And when he began to stop doing the miracles and he began to stop doing the things that had attracted that crowd and when he just began to give them the words of God, so many of those people turned away and left him. And he was disappointed. He asked those who were around him who stayed, are you going to leave too? And they said, well, where would we go? We found truth and we found life and we found joy. Why would we leave this? And so we know that Jesus, because he came and he lived among men, he knows these things. Are you fatigued right now? Does this time of year just really wear you out and wear you down? And you, you plop down sometimes in the evening and you think, I don't know how I'm going to make it tomorrow. But you get up tomorrow and you keep going and you're fatigued and, and maybe you're overworked, you're overstressed, you've got all kinds of things going on. Jesus understands what it was to, to have the weight of fatigue. Jesus knows what it is to hear of the death of a loved one when he heard of the death of his friend Lazarus. They said, the scriptures tell us that he went to the tomb and he wept. Jesus understands all these things and because of that, it said the scriptures tell us that he was tempted in all things as we are tempted. Jesus understands every situation that you go through. And what that means is you don't have to go through it by yourself. You don't have to go through anything in this life alone. If everyone else that you knew turned their back on you, you would still have your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have the promise of that abiding joy and hope in him. And you don't have to face these things alone. And, and the wonderful part of knowing that you're a part of a group of believers who pray for you and who lift you up in prayer. So the angels expressed here to these shepherds that were out in this field, hey, joy has come to the earth, and joy is here, and it doesn't have to leave you. And then in verse number 11, they, they say to them, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And, and listen to these words. 
and they went. Did they walk? Did they, did they, did they hang around for a little while and put a game plan together? They, they didn't form a committee. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Because she knew that what these shepherds were coming and saying to her is what the the angels had already come and said to her before. And she knew that this was the fulfillment of everything that she had been told and everything that she had been promised. And she knew that this was... That, that this birth of this baby was not just for her and not just for Joseph and not just for there, but she knew that because these shepherds had come from out in the field that the birth of this baby really was Emmanuel. It really was for all the people. He really was there to be the Savior. The angel said this, they said, which shall be to all people. All included the lowliest people in the world who were the shepherds who were out in the fields, who people shunned and people looked down upon. They were the first people who were told about the Lord Jesus Christ. The angels didn't go into the palace in Rome and tell Caesar. The angels didn't go to one of the governors in Palestine and inform them that God was on the premises. The angels went to those who were most in need. Now who needs this Savior? All people need the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. Romans 3.23 tells us that every one of us is a sinner. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 5.8, it tells us that Christ died for all when he says, but God shows his love for us, and then that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's available to every person alive. It is a whosoever will gospel that we believe in. We, we looked at other good news last week in John 3, 16. It says that whosoever will, whosoever will. And so as the angels are coming and says to, to the shepherds, this is for all people, the shepherds understand are the first ones to really get a taste of this whosoever. And then these shepherds, they leave where they are and they go and they see and they worship. They went with haste. They went with haste. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that these shepherds were ever the same after this evening? Do you think that these shepherds were ever the same after what happened to them that evening? They, they were, they, their lives were transformed and their lives were changed and they went as quickly as they could to find Jesus. And when they found him, they worshiped and they, they proclaimed what the angels had said. Now, we know what they did when they went there and they found Jesus. But what do you think they did after they left? Do you think they were able to keep that to themselves? Do you, do you think they were able to keep that experience of going and seeing what the angels had proclaimed to them? Do you think they were able to keep it to themselves? I doubt it. I doubt it. I bet that when they went to the shepherds' convention in Jerusalem, I bet they told all the other shepherds, hey, y'all will never guess what happened to us when we was out in the field near Bethlehem. The angels opened up the sky and they talked to us and they, they proclaimed that the Messiah had been born and then we went right where they were. And maybe they, they may have been the keynote speakers at the Shepherds Convention. I have no idea. But I promise you that they were not able to contain this story. They were not able to keep it to themselves. They had to share it with someone else and tell someone else about it. Because when we come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when we come into his presence, and when he becomes the Lord 
of our lives. And when he takes complete control, when we give control of our lives over to him, and when we have repented of our sins, there's no way that that happens to us and it doesn't change us, and there's no way that we can't proclaim it to others. We talked about this uh, on Wednesday evening. We will have so many opportunities during Christmas, during this season, or during these uh, next few weeks. We have so many opportunities because of the celebration that we're having. We have so many opportunities to tell other people why we believe in this story and why we believe and how it changed our lives. There's two responses that we can have to this good news that the shepherds heard and that we read here in Scripture. One is we can have awe and wonder that leads to adoration and to praise. When we are there in His presence and when He changes our lives, there's a sense of awe and wonder that comes over us in knowing that we're not guilty of the sin that we had before and that with that sin debt has been paid for. And that it's not about us working our way into being good and to cleaning our own selves up, but Christ did it for us. And it causes us to, when we sing these words on the screen and when we see those words about the birth of Christ and about the it causes us to, something wells up inside of us and we want to adore and praise the Lord. And we don't let the mystery, the glory of what happened at Christmas in Bethlehem, we shouldn't let it pass us by. As this Christmas season comes, we should take and we read this account here in Luke chapter 2. And as we do it, we should meditate on the things that, that Luke tells us here. And we should feel how special that these words are. And we should know that, this, that God who came at this moment still exists eternally. And that he's still the ruler of this universe. And we think about what he did there in that single most important moment in all of history and in coming into the world as he did. And think about that he did all of that for us individually and for all of mankind. We can put our name in this story and say he came here for me. And then we should have a response of just deep gratitude and great joy. And it should get it, it should be something that, that we realize is not fleeting and it's not passing. And it doesn't depend on the outcome of small things here in this life, but we should realize that it is an eternal thing. It's never going to leave us. And it should cause us to have such deep gratitude to Jesus and such great joy in our lives. That when we read these verses and we meditate on them and we realize what has happened here, that it is a fresh thing that happens in us. And it's a renewed sense of our relationship with, uh, with him. And that it causes us to want to be in his presence more and to share more about the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. These are wonderful things. Good news. For the last two weeks, I've tried to tell you good news. Because as you look around this world, if, you, uh, if, if you're like me, and you turn on the television in the afternoon or in the morning on your way to work, and you see all the things that are happening in this world, I, I flipped on uh, to check the news this morning, and Paris is burning. 
And I have no reason, I have no understanding of why. I look and, and there's fighting here and there's and there's struggle here and there's evil here and there's problems here. And I have to take a break from it all sometimes. And I have to just say, if I if I dwell on these things, it's gonna steal the joy that's in my heart. And I, I just don't want to let that happen. Because here's what I know. This baby who was born in this manger, who came as lowly and as humbly as he did, and in the poverty that he came in, one day the skies will open. And one day the skies will roll back. And one day this same Jesus will return, and he will set foot on this earth, and he will come then as King of kings and Lord of lords and Prince of peace. And all of these things will be solved, and all of these things will be taken care of, and I will spend eternity never having to worry about all this again. All because Jesus Christ was willing to leave a throne and all of the angels that were around him worshiping him continuously throughout the beginning of time, he was willing to leave there and with no fanfare come into this world and give his life for me. What a wonderful piece of good news for us to share this morning. So as we begin this time of year where we begin to preach and teach and sing about the birth of Jesus, spend some time and take this, this chapter of Luke chapter 2 and just immerse yourself in it and, and ask the Lord to transform you the same way that he transformed these shepherds and ask him to make this so, so much of an abiding part of the joy in your life that it overfills and overspills in your life and you give it to other people. Because what greater gift could you give to someone this Christmas than to give them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So pray that God will give you opportunity and pray that God will give you openings to do just that. As Darren comes, I want us to have a time of praise and worship and a time of dedication and decision, whatever we need to do during this time. While you stand this morning, maybe there is someone here and you've heard this good news about Jesus coming into this world and coming into this earth and you want to come and you want to take these words and you want to make them a part of your life through the forgiveness of your sin and beginning a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now would be the perfect time for you to say, I want that to be me. Maybe you are here and you need to follow up in believer's baptism. Maybe you need to share something that God has done in your life with this congregation. Whatever it is, now is the time to do it. Maybe you want to come and pray about opportunities during this season to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, make wise choice at this time and give this time to the Lord. Would you pray, Father? Thank you for this opportunity to be here to be a part of your story. And over these next few weeks, to look at how you changed and transformed the lives of millions of people through your birth. And Father, let us not forget that also Jesus came and he went to a cross at Calvary and he bore our sins. And let that be ever mindful with us during this time. And Father, whether it is to come this morning and pray for missionaries around the world through this uh, offering that we're taking up, or whether it is to pray for our neighbor, or whether whatever it is that we need to do, maybe we know a loved one who's hurting and suffering, whatever we need to do during this time, 
Let us do it now. In Jesus' name, amen.